Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Today is July 1st, 2022, and our first story, Jordan Peterson issues a powerful response to his suspension on Twitter, saying he'd rather die than delete his truthful statement for the cancel mob. Now, he's talking about Elliot Page and trans kids. So I take a look at some of his statements, and I think he's making really good points. In our next story, outrage as Disney's Baymax shows a trans man offering up pads to a robot who is trying to help a young girl with her adult issues. There's a lot to break down here in this story, so we will. It's a culture war kind of day. And in our last story, the Biden administration says high gas prices are important to protect the liberal world order. Oh, boy. It's not a conspiracy theory anymore, is it? If you like the show, give us a good review and leave us five stars. Share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. Jordan Peterson has been unleashed by the Daily Wire. Now that they've signed him and he is probably financially secure, he's just going ham. Recently, Jordan Peterson was suspended for Twitter over comments he made about actor Elliot Page and top surgery. After the suspension, he said, uh, I'm not going to take the tweet down. And now he's issued a decently long response, along with the Daily Wire, about 14 minutes where he says, I'd rather die than delete truthful tweet for cancel creeps. And there's more. In an interview that he did, along with the Daily Wire, he goes on to explain some of his other ideas. In a simple tweet, not that long ago, about a month ago, or actually only a couple of weeks ago, Jordan Peterson referenced a Sports Illustrated cover with an obese woman. And um, we all kind of ribbed at him because most of us didn't really care. Jordan Peterson took the tweet down. He said this morbidly obese woman was not attractive. Now, on Twitter, you can't really get the full idea out there. And this, well, it did a disservice to Jordan Peterson because I said, I responded, Jordan Peterson, as I said, look, some people like fat chicks, right? Let them have their day. But Jordan Peterson went on to explain Sports Illustrated showing this woman. This is not a, a, a positive thing to be showing young people. And he's going on to basically comment on cultural decay and how all of these things are effectively, or as, as my interpretation of it, leading to the collapse 
I think we're in the collapse. And I often on this channel talk about politics and how political issues are taking shape in this country. And I often leave the cultural issues to my other channel. But seeing Jordan Peterson's return and his powerful statement related to Elliot, a.k.a. uh, formerly known as Ellen Page, I thought we should actually dive into these issues and take a look at what's going on with transgender sports and trans kids, because this is what Jordan Peterson is getting into. And we also have a video coming out from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah addressing trans women in sports. In a statement from a transgender athlete, Veronica Ivey, they basically go on to say that transgender women, those that are born male, are actually female. And I think it's important to discuss this and what Dr. Peterson is saying, because we can see how the shift takes place. It was not that long ago they said gender and sex are not the same thing that a trans woman, someone who identifies as a woman, is actually a male. Like a trans woman is someone who was born male, wants to be a woman, goes through the trans, uh, transition, but is still biologically male. That's no longer the case. On national television, this is what is, is being told to young people. And it's becoming an issue because we need to understand medical terms. We need to understand medical science. It's often the left that says, trust in science. Well, the science shows us there's a very serious risk to female humans, also known as women, when when it comes to medication and testing. And that's why it's important that we know if someone is biologically male or biologically female. It wasn't until the 90s that we actually had a law passed saying clinical trials must be performed on males and females because drugs have different effects on different biological sexes. But because of the modern transgender ideology, it's resulting in hot politics and inability to communicate. And the language battle is is quite culturally destructive. But let's do this. We'll get started by taking a look at what Jordan Peterson had to say when he said he'd rather die, the political ramifications. And also, I think what really made me want to talk about this is Jordan Peterson's view on the morbidly obese women, because he kind of makes an interesting point. If a young boy is told to look at a morbidly obese woman and he is told this woman is attractive, but the young boy doesn't agree, they say, well, maybe it's because you're LGBTQIA plus. When in reality, maybe the kid just doesn't like obese women. And this is where the confusion comes in and the debate starts to arise. But as you know, Having a conversation around these issues is impossible. Even Trevor Noah says it. If you ask simple questions, you're labeled transphobic. So let's take a look at what Dr. Jordan Peterson has to say in his powerful return and entrance with The Daily Wire. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com to become a member and help support our work. Guys, we can't just let The Daily Wire claim the top of the hill. As much as a major shout out to the crew over the Daily Wire and their massive expansion, I'm a big fan. Go to TimCast.com, click the sign up button on the top right, join TimCast.com to allow us to grow to rival the Daily Wire. I'm glad they're displacing corporate press. I too would like to displace the corporate press. We got a lot of awesome shows in the works. Cast Castle Vlog is starting to take off. We're doing more bits. We're trying to make it more like a like a vlog style sitcom. We've also got the new season of Tales from the Inverted World dropping tonight and the new book. With your support, in a year or two, or who knows, we'll be putting out movies, documentaries. We've got two documentaries in the preliminary stages, 
And it's thanks to you at TimCast.com. So don't forget to smash that like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends. Let's talk about Jordan Peterson's stance on his suspension and what's going on with the trans issue. Jordan Peterson was recently suspended because he made a reference to Elliot Page, formerly known as Ellen Page, after coming out as trans and changing her name to Elliot Page and identifying with he, him pronouns. Dr. Jordan Peterson said that Ellen Page had her breasts removed by a criminal physician. I believe he said physician, but let's actually let's read from the Daily Wire. Jordan Peterson says, and I'm not going to read the entirety of his statement. It's actually quite verbose, but I'll bring up some key points. And then I want to talk about how our children are being affected in the culture war. He says, a few days ago, I penned an irritated tweet in response to one of the latest happenings on the increasingly heated culture war front in response to the, the, to the decision of an actress, actor named Ellen Elliott Page. I am employing this awkward and impossible multiple naming style because it is now apparently mandatory and probably doing it wrong. Nonetheless, as you're doing it wrong is the whole point of what has been made mandatory, but also to make a point. I've essentially been banned from Twitter. I say banned, although technically I have been suspended, but the suspension will not be lifted unless I delete the hateful tweet in question. And I would rather die than do that. And hopefully it will not come to that. Although who the hell knows in the increasingly strange days. What was it that I said that caused such a fuss? And even more importantly and complexly, what exactly was it that I said that resulted in the ban? Here's the tweet in question. Dr. Jordan Peterson said, remember when pride was a sin and Ellen Page just had her breasts removed by a criminal physician. Now, my personal view of this, we've talked about it last night. I talked about it a little bit at one. It was referring to it as criminal because it's legal. And I think Jordan Peterson actually points that out. He says, according to the rules, you may not promote violence, threaten, harass uh, other people on the basis of race, ethnicity, national origin, orientation, identity or gender religious affiliation, age, disability, or serious disease. By clicking delete, you acknowledge that your tweet violated the rules. He goes on to say that if you, if you appeal to it, they'll keep your account locked. Now, he goes on to break down in great detail what this really means. I, and trying to dissect why he was banned. I'll give you the simple version. Remember when pride was a sin, referring to pride month in a derogatory manner, Calling Ellen Page because dead naming, I believe, is a violation of the rules. Ellen instead of Elliot saying criminal physician. I think there's many issues here. But the bigger picture, in my opinion, is that he's not harassing. He's not threatening. He's not insulting. He's not targeting Ellen over uh, LGBTQ issues. But perhaps because calling pride a sin. These are the issues at play here. Now, look, I don't I don't know or care, to be honest, about Elliot Page's life. That's for Elliot Page to decide. I don't know or care about what Elliot or any of the producers on Umbrella Academy should do. I understand the issues around children. And that's where what Jordan Peterson's talking about starts to get more interesting. He's saying he refuses to take that tweet down. He'd rather die. I've made the argument that he could take the tweet down and then put up a big message saying, follow me to a different platform. Leave this platform and let's go somewhere else. But OK, he'd rather die. Hope not, Dr. Peterson. You're a, you're a good voice. The Daily Mail has this story referring to an interview Jordan Peterson did. Not the ideal of athletic beauty. Dr. Jordan Peterson doubles down on criticism of plus size sports illustrated model and says confused gay kids are being convinced they're transsexual. I saw that headline and I'm not entirely sure that Jordan Peterson was trying to combine these ideas. 
It's another morning, and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late, you're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield, the most trusted vehicle protection company. For almost 20 years, CarShield has saved millions of drivers from repair nightmares with low monthly plans that cover up to 5,000 major parts and systems, like pricey transmission and engine repairs and check engine light mysteries visit carshield today at carshield.com slash carlson plans include unlimited miles 24 7 roadside assistance help with flats lockouts and rental car options save 20 percent and get a free quote by visiting carshield online at carshield.com slash carlson don't wait for the next surprise choose peace of mind with carshield go to carshield.com slash carlson and save 20 percent today but I sort of noticed something in that case. There is an article from Salon saying we need to redefine what born this way means. For the longest time, as I was growing up, I was told that gay people were born that way. That they didn't choose to like people of the same sex. I have friends who are LGBTQ who say they wish they were straight, that no one wishes to live a marginalized life. I certainly think there are some people who do because it's not so marginalized anymore when they're flying the pride flag. You know, cities are actually doing it. But then I noticed something interesting. In a recent tweet, this was um, May 16th. OK, so this is actually two months ago. Jordan Peterson said, sorry, not beautiful. And no amount of authoritarian tolerance is going to change that. He was making a reference. Uh, 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 he, was, he was talking about this, this morbidly obese woman on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yumi knew. Now, I responded saying, look, some people like fat chicks. But then I see an interesting point here, an interesting point. If it is true that we do not choose our sexuality, as many on the LGBTQ have said, then you need to consider that there are going to be children who are going to see this. They're going to be told it's beautiful. They're not going to agree. And then you're going to have teachers and groomers and whatever else saying, if you don't think that's beautiful, you must be homosexual. Maybe you like men. The issue is particularly confusing for young people when maybe they just like slimmer women because they don't choose their sexuality, right? It's also entirely possible the kids may turn out to be gay, but the issue is the gay population is in the single digits. It is substantially more likely that the kid just doesn't find these kinds of women attractive. And this is where things start to get confusing for children. And it starts to lead to, in my opinion, cultural decay. Before I read what they say about Jordan Peterson. I want to jump back to the story from Bill Maher to exemplify my point. Salon writes, Bill Maher messed up bad with the LGBTQ community. On the latest episode of Real Time, Maher made a comment about trans kids that landed him in the hot seat, May 22nd, around the same time that Jordan Peterson was making his point about these women. Bill Maher was buried under an avalanche of criticism on Saturday after using his Friday night closing comments to ridicule trans kids and their need for gender affirming care, saying they are only doing it because it's more trendy than being gay. After suggesting the LGBT population of America seems to be roughly doubling every generation, Maher added, according to a recent Gallup poll, less than 1% of Americans born before 1946, Joe Biden's generation, identify that way. 2.6 of boomers do, 4.2 of Gen X, 10.5% of millennials, and 20.8% of Gen Z, which means if we follow this trajectory, we will all be gay in 2025. He then glibly joked, 
If this spike in trans children is all biological, why is it regional? Either Ohio is shaming them or California is creating them before making a few more crude comments. First, the leftist view of this. The leftist pointed out that it was not socially acceptable to write with your left hand. And there were religious institutions that would whack your hand with a ruler if you used your left because left was wrong. You must use your right. Once people were free to be left handed, the amount of left handed people skyrocketed and then plateaued. The belief in that argument is that 20% of Gen Z will be LGBTQ, but it will probably stay around that point. And the issue is that forever, 20% of the population was LGBT, but they were not allowed to express it socially. I'll make this point with the internet. Why is it that there are so many people of strange fetishes or identities? Why are there so many people who want to dress up like cartoon animals? I was talking with Seamus Coughlin of Freedom Tunes about this over at Timcast IRL, and he made the point, the internet. It's allowed people to find each other. I agree. Before the internet, if you identified as a furry, you had a harder time finding other people who you could interact with as a furry. For gay people, you needed to go to a gay bar, and and that was a safe space where you knew everyone else, most people there, would probably share your, uh, your desires. With the internet, now you're safe because there's no, phys- there's no threat of physical harm to you. And it's easier now for people to find other people who share their identities or desires. And thus, we see an expansion of this. However, I don't completely agree with the leftist argument. I do think it's obvious. If people are allowed to express themselves, you will get more people doing so. And thus, the numbers will go up. But I also think that Bill Maher makes a very important point. Why is it regional? Ohio? Look, California may be more accepting and have laws, but it's not even about Ohio. It's about there are many states all all over the country who have similar protection laws, but we don't see comparable rates of self-identity. We don't see this in uh, uh, pronounced. I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. We should be seeing many people in red states coming out now that it's become more socially acceptable. We see it a little bit, but not at the same numbers. Thus, I think there's a mix here. And that's the point when I jump back to Jordan Peterson's point. He says, speaking to the Telegraph, the use of that model, this is the morbidly obese woman, who was not athletic, remember Sports Illustrated, was manipulative economically and in relation to the model herself, although she participated in her own exploitation. He told the Telegraph, beauty is an ideal. Almost all of us fall short of an ideal. I'm not willing to sacrifice any ideal to faux compassion, period, and certainly not the ideal of athletic beauty. He added that he deleted his Twitter account from his personal devices to prevent him from reading comments from anonymous trolls that insisted he was a white supremacist and transphobe. You don't need to delete your your Twitter to do that. You can just ignore it. But I started thinking when he pointed this out, perhaps one of the reasons we are seeing a rise in kids identifying as LGBTQ is because they're consistently told that morbidly obese women are attractive and maybe they're just not attracted to her. But what do we what do we hear? We're hearing from uh, uh, from the left that if you're not attracted to a trans woman, you're transphobic or you might be gay. It's one of the things they've actually said. So imagine this. Imagine you're a 13 year old boy. You have an idea, a desire, you have an orientation. You were born that way. They come to you and say, here's a big fat woman. 
Are you attracted to her? That's this is real beauty. And they say no. And they go, really? Here's a trans woman. A trans woman is a woman. Are you attracted to her? And they say, no. And they say, it sounds like you aren't attracted to women. And then they say, maybe you're gay. Many of these kids are probably confused by this. Maybe the reality is they're just attracted to traditionally attractive women. Maybe they're attracted to a, you know, someone more their age or something to go to school with. But if you're consistently told that a trans woman is a woman and is female, but then you say you don't, you're not attracted to that, they ask you, maybe it's because you don't like women, which would make you gay. I have to say, this is probably very, 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 very confusing for young kids, which brings me now to the evolution of the debate. This video here from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Veronica Ivey, a transgender athlete who competes in cycling, speaking with Trevor Noah, saying at one point, it's all about, I'll put it this way, quote, it all boils down to, do you actually think that trans women and intersex women are real women and are really female or not? And if you do, it's very simple. Just stop policing who counts as a real woman. The idea then would be, we don't need testosterone checks. We don't need body checks or anything like that. If someone says they're, they're a female, they're allowed. But hold on there a minute. I thought the argument was that trans women weren't female. They were women. That women were any, is anyone who identifies as a woman which is a circular definition. But now they're saying female is, is social. Female and male are scientific terms. Male is the, the sex of the species that produces um, the uh, mo- mobile sperm. What is it? Uh, uh, spermatozoa or something? I don't know. And female produces the non-mobile ova. Those are distinct categories. Now, of course, intersex exists, and there is a, a question of how we can better protect intersex people and make sure it, it, it's fair to compete. But are they really female? Trans women are not female. And I don't mean that as in any way disrespectful. It's just reality. That's why you're a trans woman. That's why we have the word trans, because you were born male, but identify as, if, as an adult human female. You're not really female. You identify that way. You're a trans woman. But now the narrative is shifting. This video with 22,000 views as of today, it's got tons of thumbs. Oh, we, we can't see the, the, the dislike ratio anymore. But this is where things start to break down and become confusing for young people, which I believe will ultimately result in more confusion and more harm to kids. There are a lot of videos that I think are, are scary. Detransitioners, we've interviewed them. People who are coming out and saying they regret their decisions. And it's tough. How do you protect these kids? Market Watch reports. I'll do anything to keep my family together. Trans kids' parents are draining their savings to flee conservative states. States like Alabama and Texas have moved to block transgender kids' access to gender-affirming treatments and forcing families to weigh expensive relocations. I am of the opinion minors should not be allowed to undergo transgender therapies or surgeries. I, that's my personal opinion. Um, what I mean by therapies, I mean medical. If uh, a, a kid is, you know, if, if a person is, is under underage, they're a minor, and they're going in for like therapy in general, like talking to them to try and help them, good thing. We don't want people taking their lives. And that is a, that is a risk. I, I, I'm worried about that. People who are having identity crises, regardless of whether it's gender, racial, or otherwise, we want to make sure we can help them. 
I don't think minors should be given medication or surgeries, but that is what's happening. Now, that's just where I stand. The left believes they should do this, and many minor females have been getting their breasts removed. That's permanent. That's, that's absolutely permanent. Puberty blockers are permanent. These things are permanent, and they're damaging, which is why I think once you're an adult, you're at that point where you can start making decisions for yourself. There's a question then, at what point can the parents make decisions for their children? I don't have all the answers. I would like to reference <clears throat> John Money who you may have heard of. John Money, um, he, he really um, expanded the use of the word gender. The word gender had been around for a long time, but he really took that word and expanded its use to refer to the social constructs around biological sex. For a long time, gender just referred to your biological sex because they were seen as mostly the same thing. John Money is famous for taking two twin boys. One had a botched circumcision. So the parents with money, decided to do a forced sex change operation on the baby. John Money then, in my opinion, effectively tortured these kids, made them simulate act, adult activities on each other as they were children, made the biological male who underwent a forced operation to undergo, undergo hormone therapies, tried trying to raise this male as a female without the male knowing. Ultimately, it's a terrible story. Both committed suicide. But while many people point to this being an example of why you shouldn't put children under, uh, have them undergo transgender surgeries or whatever, it's also an argument used by the left to explain that gender identity is real and cannot be forced on a child. It is not so simple. In my opinion, my view of it is at that point then, if we recognize that gender identity is, you know, within a person, there should be no irreversible procedures until the person is old enough to make an accurate decision. And honestly, there are real, there are real moral questions here, but it may not be till 24. Let me break this down. This, this, uh, this young uh, child, this, this baby was born male, forcefully made uh, to represent as female, but still male. When this young man found out what they had done to him, immediately detransitioned because within them, they knew they were male. They retained that identity regardless of what was imposed upon them. The left argues the same can be true for any child. Someone can be born, they can develop trans, and then say, in much the exact same way as this other child, they are in the wrong body and they are trans. And then there's a fear. If this young man who was forcefully transitioned committed suicide, there is a fear that some, a young trans child would do the same thing. And thus the logic follows. The parents feel it is better, they are better off sterilizing the child than having the child die. Uh, and that's a real question. I mean, honestly, I don't want anybody to die. And so what do you do? Everybody thinks they have the answers. I'll put it this way. An irreversible procedure can result in the same circumstances in which this young man who was um, victimized by John Money took their own life. In which case, the best thing we can do for kids we believe to be trans is to let them grow up. At 18, they can make their choices. If someone is 12, 13, 14, or even 15 or 16, and they feel trans, and they undergo irreversible medical procedures, you are increasing their risk of taking their own life. They may have a higher risk there, but what do we do? We let them make the decision at 18 with proper counseling. 
with legitimate explanations for how these medications will affect their body. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has a over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. Which brings me to this story here from the Daily Mail, June 30th. Doctor who ran clinic for transgender children and failed an 11-year-old transitioning from female to male by not fully explaining drugs could make them infertile is suspended for just two months. Helen Weberly was suspended for two months for gender treatment failures. She was said to not have provided follow-up care to two children on testosterone. Her husband, Michael, was struck off for putting patients at risk for serious harm. Michael diagnosed patient W as gender dysphoric without consulting their GP. Patient W later killed themselves while transitioning from female to male. And this is my point. The best thing we can do is psychological therapy, but no permanent medical alterations. We don't have all the answers. I believe trans kids exist. I don't know what the left's point is. I take a look at Jordan Peterson's anger and ire. I take a look at his powerful statements and his refusal to bow to the censors. And I respect it. I understand why he's angry in his statements about Ellen Elliott Page and these physicians. A patient, an 11-year-old, was not given the proper explanation of what these, these drugs were going to do, took their own life. Is it the doctor's fault? Many would say yes. The doctor should not have given permanent life-altering drugs to an 11-year-old. The risk of suicide is real. I have friends who have taken their own lives for a variety of reasons. I had a trans, fr trans friend who took their own life. And it is heartbreaking. We want to do whatever we can to make sure people don't take their own lives. I mean, first and foremost, there, you just don't want it to happen. And I'm sickened by the people who even meme about telling people to do it online. And for those that are more religious, it's a mortal sin. You don't want anyone taking their own lives. I don't think any sane and rational and good person really does. There are bad people who do. But this doctor contributed to it, thinking they were doing good. The path to hell is paved with good intentions. I don't have the answers. But you can't just assume that, you know, someone who's 18 who was, who was experiencing dysphoria or, or who was um, regretting their transition, we, we can't assume we could have done anything. Sometimes non-intervention is the answer. And what I mean by that is keep an eye on these individuals you think are at risk. Talk to them, be there for them, be their friends, inspire them, make them feel good about themselves and all that stuff. But be wary of what you're doing to children because children don't know everything. 
They say a doctor who ran an online clinic for trans patients has been suspended from practicing for two months. Helen Weberly, founder of Gender GP website, was found to have committed serious misconduct by the Medical Practitioners Tribunal Service. The tribunal, which started to hear evidence in July, found she had not provided proper follow-up care to two patients aged 12 and 17 who were prescribed testosterone and failed an 11-year-old patient by omitting to discuss risks to fertility before prescribing GNHRA puberty blockers. This is terrifying. All it was was a suspension. This woman simply was suspended after destroying the life of a child. You see, she was trying to do good by that child. So saith Twitter, they're trying to do good as well. Those of us who are actually trying to do right, do good, and do well, want to make sure that all of these kids are properly informed. But because of the censorship policies, the banning of people like Jordan Peterson, you're not giving them proper information. They say in the tribunal's view, an informed member of the public would be surprised if a finding of impairment of pub- on public interest grounds were not made in those circumstances. It, it therefore finds Dr. Weberly's fitness to practice is impaired on a wider public interest grounds. Jaden Lowe, a trans teen, took his own life in 2018 by stepping in front of a train after being prescribed hormone treatment. The treatment didn't do anything to save this individual. The patient had become unhappy at the long waiting lists for NHS treatment and sent in an email that they wanted to transition as soon as possible as it would have a massive positive impact on their mental health. I have been waiting to go on hormones so long now, and it means so much, so much to me. I am so happy it's finally happening. happening. But Dr. Weberly diagnosed patient W with gender dysphoric without checking information with their GP. Patient W had been diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome and had complex and long, long-standing mental health issues, but did not appear that Dr. Weberly was aware of them and he'd failed to, to obtain the patient's medical records. Sadly, patient W took their own life just three months later. Patient W is believed to be Jaden Lowe, who was prescribed the treatment by the gender GP clinic and subsequently stepped in front of a train. There's two ways to look at this because it's hard to break down what this story uh, really means. Either this individual, um, I, b- I believe uh, it was the 11-year-old who didn't understand the infertility, but this individual received the, the hormones, it appears, They were prescribed testosterone and it didn't help them. If we want to have an actual conversation about helping these people, we cannot allow bullies to silence these questions and silence these statements. We cannot allow them to suspend the likes of Dr. Jordan Peterson, a clinical psychologist who's probably more qualified to speak on this than many medical doctors. Yet that's what's happening. The Daily Wire is doing great work. And so, you know, it's Friday. I just, I got to be honest, I'm looking at this political news and it matters. You know, Democrats don't want Jordan, uh, (laughs) Democrats don't want Joe Biden. I said Jordan. But I just thought this was more important, talking about these social issues and just doing a deep dive on, on the stuff that's happening. What can we do to make sure we legitimately want to help kids who are undergoing an identity crisis? The way I've read it is you need to bring them to a nurturing community. Now, Bill Maher entertains the possibility of a social contagion element. Salon says this is wrong and it's nonsense. I think it's half true. I think for many kids, they are probably just saying these things because they want to fit in. Some kids have Asperger's and they don't know what to do to fit in properly. And they're told this will make you happy. Some kids look at morbidly obese women and say, I'm not attracted to that. And then they're told maybe they're gay. Maybe they're actually trans. Young women, similarly. Many lesbians, uh, in the lesbian community fear 
that young lesbian girls are being told they're actually trans because they're attracted to girls. We want to get this right. The problem is we have bullies and we have censorship making it all worse. If we're going to get to the bottom of this and make sure we help everybody and truly progress as a society, we can't ban Jordan Peterson. We need to ask him questions. We need to have real conversations about what he is saying and what it means. Well, the Daily Wire is giving space to that. So um, props to them. I am jealous. Maybe one day TimCast.com will have the means to sign on people like Dr. Peterson, perhaps. I think we're, getting, we're going in that direction. And maybe then, with the expansion of the Daily Wire, their success, the success of TimCast.com, we won't have to worry about the censorship, which is ultimately, ultimately the point and why I thought this was uh, interesting and, and important. Jordan Peterson's ability to, uh, ability to speak has not been hindered. I mean, on Twitter it has, but his voice has never been louder thanks to what the Daily Wire is building. That's what we need. So support us over at TimCast.com, support the Daily Wire, and then we can have these real conversations. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash TimCastIRL. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. The machine is struggling. The machine is crumbling. I have good news for you guys. The narrative is collapsing. The international organizations and elites that are trying to subvert your rights are failing. And what was once considered grand conspiracy is now just considered mainstream fact. This is fascinating. From Real Clear Politics, Biden economic advisor on high gas prices, quote, this is about the future of the liberal world order. He just came out and said it. You're not supposed to say that on CNN, dude. What are you doing? You know what it is? You get, you get these, these hardworking guys, right? Hardworking guys back 100 years ago. And they set up the liberal world order. Okay, this is more, I think this is like 70, 80 years ago. And they know how to make their new world order, which they call the liberal world order. They also know you can't tell the public about it because they'll feel like you're subverting their national and sovereign rights. So they keep it a secret. And anybody who comes and talks about it, well, you're a conspiracy theorist, you, you crazy person. There's no liberal world order. But eventually, they must pass down the crown to their children. And so these men who built a liberal world order tell the next generation, we bestow upon you the duty of maintaining our liberal world order. And then these younger generation just come out and say it. And what was once a conspiracy theory is now just a fact. I mean, let's talk about Epstein, yo. They're, they're spiraling. These are people, these are powerful elites who, who are trying to organize on the world stage. You've got the Davos group. You've got this. And it's being exposed every single day. And I wonder why it is. I think it has a lot to do with the internet. I think with the internet, you get regular people, you get people like me talking about it sharing these ideas and exposing this. You get people like Luke Rudkowski of We Are Change. I mean, Luke's been chasing after a lot of these stories for 15 or almost 20 years. Almost 20 years this guy's been doing that work. And he was called a conspiracy theorist because the establishment narrative in the mainstream press was that if you dare talk about things like the liberal world order, you are a conspiracy theorist. I remember when Alex Jones was talking about Epstein and what Epstein was doing. Ghislaine Maxwell was just sentenced to 20 years in prison. We now know it is established fact. These people are doing these things. Here's a funny thing. There was a poll 
and it asked uh, asked people if they, if they thought there was a cabal of um, <clears throat> child abusers running the government. And among Republicans, they uh, overwhelmingly say yes. I was watching the show The Boys. Have you guys watched The Boys? I like that show, although it's a little too on the nose. In the show, I guess it's a spoiler alert, so it's a side point. They're basically making a lot of allusions to modern politics. And there's a scene where they're like accusing a character of trafficking kids. And it's very much supposed to be like Hillary or whatever. And it's like, are, are you trying to act like Maxwell wasn't doing this? There are people who believe that powerful elements of the government are trafficking kids because Epstein got caught. He got put in jail and then shuffled off his mortal coil. And then, of course, Ghislaine Maxwell was convicted for assisting in this. And we know that Epstein was flying world leaders and powerful interests on his plane to his island. This stuff's not conspiracy theory anymore. They prosecuted these people for these things. But they still try to make it seem like that. All right. What's going on here? Real Clear Politics says Brian Deese, President Biden's director of National Economic Council, defended the administration's energy policies on Thursday in an interview with CNN. Victor Blackwell said, the military analysts, the director of national intelligence, say this can be a long war measured in years. I think everybody understands why this is happening, but is it sustainable? What do you say to those families who say, listen, we can't afford to pay $4.85 a gallon for months. It's if not years, that is not sustainable. Victor, just say five bucks. $4.85, say five bucks. Because you know that five bucks smacks people in the face harder. That's probably why they toned it down, even 15 cents. Brian Deese, Biden advisor, responded. What we heard from the president today was about the stakes. This is about the future of the liberal world order. And we have to stand firm. But at the same time, what I'd say to that family, to Americans across the country, is you have a present administration that is going to do everything in its power to blunt those price increases and bring those prices down. No, no, no. I was told by Democrats that the president doesn't control gas prices. So there's nothing he can do about it anyway, right? Oh, wait. He simultaneously cannot control gas prices while having the ability to lower them. If that's the case, lower them more, dude. Why are they high? Good news over the past two weeks. We've seen the price of the pump come down 20 cents, but it is still unacceptably high. That's why the president earlier this week was working to bring the G7 allies together around exploring something around a price cap to cap the price that can be paid for Russian oil, which will actually target the pain more directly on Vladimir Putin and not the rest of the world. The liberal world order. This is about protecting the liberal world order. I thought that was a conspiracy theory. Dude, man, it was crazy. I remember when the Gulf of Tonkin incident was exposed as like actually a conspiracy theory. As it goes, in Vietnam, the U.S. needed to enter the war or wanted to to stop the Soviet expansion. So uh, they staged an attack on a, a U.S. It was a destroyer. It was called the Gulf of Tonkin incident. They said, help, help, we're under attack. We must invade. And it turns out that it is mostly believed to be a conspiracy theory or to be a conspiracy that they staged it so that we would have public support for entering a war. A false flag, as it were. You may be saying, wait a minute, there's a liberal world order. Yeah, the Council on Foreign Relations talks about it. Take a look at this. What is the liberal world order? This from the Council on Foreign Relations. NewsGuard certified 100 out of 100. Explore the organizations and agreements 
that have promoted global peace and prosperity for 75 years, as well as the challenges that now threaten to undermine those gains. Oh, no. What's this? After World War II, the deadliest conflict in human history, countries sought to ensure the world never again devolved into such horrific violence. World leaders created a series of international organizations and agreements to promote global cooperation on issues including security, trade, health, and monetary policy. The United States has championed this system, known as the liberal world or for the past 75 years. During this time, the world has enjoyed unprecedented peace and prosperity. I'm going to go ahead and dispute that claim, dude, because uh, Obama blew up kids. That's what, that, was the, that was the greatest thing about Obama's presidency. He was like, if you uh, vote for me, I'm going to go and blow up kids. And everybody was like, yeah, and they all screamed. No, I mean, he didn't really say that, but he may as well have said that in 2012. And that's why I didn't vote for him a second time. And I just laughed and I said, it's, it's just it's all it's all one big joke, isn't it? Barack Obama campaigned in 2008 on universal health care. Never got that. He campaigned on getting our troops out of the Middle East. And then in 2012, after years of blown up kids, he's like, vote for me again. And then everyone's like, yay. And then they voted for him again. And then I'm just like, you want to call that unprecedented peace and prosperity? Yo, they were blowing up young men in the Middle East. And when people were like, hey, uh, Mr. President, you're killing civilians. He went, uh, actually, these people, they are military age males and therefore enemy combatants. Uh, they need to be blown up. They're, you know, got to blow up the kids. There's too many of them. Got to get rid of them. That was Seamus's joke. He's like, got to get rid of them. Too many, too many kids. Yeah, dude, Obama killed so many people. Like, the dude was just smashing the button and blowing people up. Peace and prosperity. Amazing. They say, but these institutions are far from perfect. Okay, fair point. And today they are struggling to address new sources of disorder, such as climate change and a deadly pandemic. What's more, democracy is on the decline around the world. Authoritarianism is on the rise and countries like China are deliberately chipping away at the liberal world order, creating parallel institutions of their own. Faced with these challenges, will the liberal world order survive? If a new system emerges, what will that mean for freedom, peace and prosperity worldwide? If you're calling this freedom, peace and prosperity, I don't know what to tell you, man. I guess, you know, blown up kids relative to World War Two is technically more peaceful, but still rather nightmarish. But I'm not I'm no fool. I understand if the U.S. doesn't fill the vacuum, China does. And it's not like we think they're going to do a good job. So welcome, my friends, to the rock and the hard place. Should the U.S. rescind its international influence and then allow China to fill the gap and then start blowing up kids on their own? Or does the U.S. try to assert a unipolar world with the U.S. at the top? I don't have the answers, man. But I will tell you this. The United States government, the liberal world order, have never justified to the public why it is what they do. And if they don't want to give those answers, then so be it. You do not deserve the benefit of the doubt from me. You can come out and tell me all the things in the world about how evil China is. And I've seen some bad stuff. But you've not explained to me what your goals are. And so I don't trust you. Why? Because I look at these people. They are liars. They are deceivers. They are manipulators. Now, if we had an administration that was honest with the American people, talked about the crisis that we faced internationally and legitimately sought to engage in international conflict through Congress, through approval of the American public. OK, but they don't do that. They don't. They spit in your face. They lie to you and they tell you blindly support them as they blow up kids. Abdurrahman, uh, uh, Abdurrahman Alalaki. 16-year-old American citizen killed without charge or trial. 
Why isn't Obama being put on, on trial for this? They say, well, we were targeting a terror leader and it was an accident that he died. Uh, OK, if, if you're a, a cop and you're trying to stop a bad guy and then you shoot and kill an innocent bystander, you still get in trouble. I'm not saying you go to prison, but you'll still get some accountability, right? Shouldn't Barack Obama? I mean, it's not even that. I mean, he blew up a civilian restaurant killing an American child. Yo, yeah, if you're a soldier and you shoot and kill a civilian thinking you're attacking an enemy combatant, you will be brought up on charges. These things happen. Not always, I guess. They say in this module, we will outline the authority and limitations of the U.N. Security Council, blah, 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 blah. Liberal world order. OK, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. You ready for this? Quarter of Americans say they are ready to take up arms against the government. Poll also finds more than a third of those currently own guns. This is a fake news headline. Daily Mail is far from perfect. Though they are NewsGuard certified, I have no problem calling, calling them out when their headline is incorrect. But it's somewhat correct. They say, 25% of voters across the party lines agree that it may be necessary, they spell necessary wrong, at some point soon for citizens to take up arms against the government. That doesn't mean they're ready. That doesn't mean they want to. Among the strong GOP, the majority of strong GOP believe it is necessary to take up arms against the government. Yikes. Among strong Democrat, 21% agree, 74 disagree. This is obvious, though. The strong Democrats, they're the ones in power. Soft Democrats uh, agree slightly less. That's amazing. Independents, one third of independent voters think it may be necessary to take up arms against the government. That's crazy. But what is this question really asking? We know Republicans say this. They've been saying this for decades. As long as I've been alive, they're like, we have the Second Amendment to protect ourselves from the government, and it may be necessary at some point. Okay. I don't necessarily think so, to be honest, because I think confidence will be rocked in the federal government. And then I don't think you're taking up arms against the government so much as people just start fighting each other. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. See, so the poll comes as the U.S. House Select Committee's investigation into Trump's role in the violent January 6th insur- insur- insurrection against the Capitol. Oh is being publicly broadcast across the nation. If you believe that stuff, you are dumber than a box of rocks. The January 6th committee stuff is just mindless trash. It's non-adversarial. There's no cross-examination. It's a waste of everyone's time. And this lady Cassidy Hutchins, Hutchinson or whatever, she has been called out so many times for lying. I just can't believe anyone would believe any of this stuff. However, my friends, still... I think you should heed these numbers, because let me show you some statistics. From Statista, American Civil War, statistics and facts. The American Civil War was the deadliest military conflict in the history of the U.S., claiming almost as many American lives as all other wars combined. Almost 10% of the entire population enlisted in a four-year-long conflict that would shape the future of American history. 10%. 10 percent of the population were involved in the Civil War. That's crazy, yo. 2.5 percent of the population died in the war. Many young men. 10 percent was all it took. 
and there was a civil war. That's it. It wasn't half the country fighting half the country. Pay attention. Because when I talk about civil war, people are like, no, it'll never happen. Most people don't want it. Most people didn't want the first one. Only 10%. Right now, you have more than that who have advocated for secession of their regions. There was one poll that found 37.2% of Americans believe their, 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 their region, their respective region, should break off from the U.S. to form their own union. You had like the Midwest, the South, the Northeast. They're like, we should break off and form our own country, split into five countries, basically. 37.2 wanted that. Okay. 10% fought in the first civil war. I wonder how many, you know, because that's willingness to fight, to enlist. That's not the same thing as wanting to secede because a lot of people will say they want to, but will they really? Here's the crazy thing you need to understand. The Civil War didn't really ever end. This is just not true. Take a look at this. 100,000 plus the number of Civil War Union corpses found in the South through a federal reinternment program from 1866 to 1869. The Civil War formally ended on April 9th, 1865, the formal surrender. Nearly four, uh, just, uh, just, uh, just shy of four years of war. Yet, for some reason, you had people dying, Union soldiers, their corpses being found. 1866 to 1869. That means in the South, they were still killing Union soldiers. They didn't stop fighting. The war never ended. Reconstruction happened. And I, I, you know, I look, look, obviously the war literally ended. But what I mean is the resistance remained in the South during Reconstruction. And it wasn't until 1876 that there was a, an official end to Reconstruction when the North and the South convened a committee and said, let's just appoint the president because we don't know what's going on. And that was the agreement between the North and the South to end the Civil War. Did it ever really end? The South still waged their political battles, and it just morphed over time. You know what's fascinating? Today, the strong moral issue is abortion. Are unborn babies persons, and should they be granted personhood rights? The Democrats are on the side of saying no. You know, I was going to make a joke. I was like, the Democrats are denying personhood to, to, to the unborn today. You know who also denied personhood? And then I typed out the Confederacy, and then I was like, wait a minute. The Confederacy was still the Democrats. So I was like, actually, the Democrats. I wonder. I wonder if we will view these things in the same way. Slavery was autonomous human beings that were captured and forced to do work against their will, had no rights, no freedoms. Unborn babies are different. Unborn babies are attached to another body. So there is still a difference in, in how we break these things down. But I wonder. Throughout history, those who have tried to deny personhood have lost. Will we see the same thing? In these Democrat-controlled states, they are claiming a right to kill unborn babies. My question here is, there are two women who conceive at the exact same time. Those babies in the womb grow and develop. Then, at eight and a half months, one woman has a C-section, not, not labor. They open up the woman and take the baby out. Why does that baby have rights and the other baby does not? The one that's still in the womb. They are of the exact same age. One is surrounded by body. 
One is not. Both are capable of surviving on their own. I don't know. I've never gotten a good argument from the, from the left on that one. So I don't believe abortion after viability should be allowed. I believe that after viability, just take the baby out. You don't got to kill it. Terminate the pregnancy. Preserve the life of the baby. And there are some circumstances where I still, you know, fairly pro-choice, like uh, instances of, of rape become particularly difficult because a woman didn't choose this. It was forced upon her and the state can't mandate that she be a, her body be har- a harboring someone she never agreed. It's tough because then if the baby dies, like, what do you do? But if the baby can survive on its own, there's no reason to kill it. So at any point at which the baby can survive, you can take it out and help it live. Why kill it? I don't know, man. But maybe this is the strong moral issue that we're looking at. Only 10% of people actually enlisted. 7 million people died. That's crazy. Number of Americans lost. If 2.5% of the population, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. 7 million if the war would happen today. It was 750,000 total, total number of deaths from the Civil War. 500 people died per day. 2 million Northerners mobilized. 880,000 Southerners mobilized. That's crazy. The North, man, they, they were just not okay with slavery. I mean, that was really it. So they had this strong moral fight on their hands. How many people on the left would fight to a, to a bloody death to pr- protect abortion? How many Democrats would do that? I don't think very many. If a war were to break out, I'd imagine you'd have many more people on the right willing to lay down their lines for the personhood rights of the unborn than you'd have among the left those willing to defend the right to terminate the lives of the, of, of the unborn. I think we're headed in a dangerous direction, my friends. Because right now, 37.2, at least in one poll, said break apart. That would be something very different than the Civil War as we saw it. Five different regions. And that makes more sense. The country was smaller back then. The North and the South. And now we're much larger. We've got Hawaii. You've got Alaska. You've got our territories. It's hard to know if it could play out the same way. But I view it as more, as more likely to occur as it did in these other, in, in a true Civil War sense, that various factions rip the country apart. Not, not just one versus one, right? North versus South. No, in most civil wars, it's actually a bunch of different factions that are fighting each other. Like in Syria, for instance. The liberal world order is failing. They're coming out and saying it. We'll see what happens. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Transgender ideology is losing in this country. A new poll from Pew Research shows that trans ideology is on the decline. People are slowly disagreeing with the idea that your gender can be different from your biological sex as, quote unquote, assigned at birth. Now, while Pew Research still uses the assigned at birth idea, people are rejecting it. But first, I want to talk about this story from uh, New York Post. Disney's Baymax features transgender man buying period pads, sparking outrage. Well, for one, this is the culturally relevant story in this uh, um, news cycle. But I do think it's worth pointing out that as Americans start to reject this idea, the question is, why is Disney including a person wearing a transgender shirt offering up pads to an android who needs menstrual products for a female? The whole thing is just weird. I mean, people are coming out and they're saying the trans man issue. And I'm like, I don't care about the trans issue. There's a few questions I have. 
pertaining to this video clip, but I should probably show you the video clip and then address it. The first thing I just want to point out, why does the trans person need to be wearing a trans flag t-shirt? Like you can be trans and wear, I don't know, like an Allman Brothers t-shirt. You don't have to be like, it's so on the nose, right? I just want to say this. In this clip, the android is asking women about what periods they like. And all of these women and even a dude, they're like, here's what we all like. And I'm like, that's just weird in and of itself. But uh, okay, let's read the story first. And then we'll talk about the decline of trans ideology. Conservatives expressed outrage online. After a leaked video of an episode of Baymax, the new kids show streaming on Disney Plus features a transgender man who buys tampons at a, at a supermarket. Wrong. It is a transgender man offering a suggestion to a robot to use pads with wings, not tampons. Christopher Rufo, the conservative academic from the right-leaning think tank, the Manhattan Institute, said he had obtained leaked video on Tuesday from an upcoming episode of Baymax, which is a six-episode spinoff of the popular hit film Big Hero 6. In the scene, the protagonist, the Marvel comic superhero nurse robot Baymax, oh, that, that really Baymax is Marvel? I didn't know that is in the aisle of a supermarket in the fictional town of San Francisco, browsing women's hygiene products. I wonder why. Baymax, who serves as a personal healthcare companion for the residents of the city, is trying to help a 12-year-old girl named Sophia, who, in an earlier episode, confided in her superhero friend that she was having her first period, the Houston Chronicle reported. Sophia told Baymax about her menstrual cycle during an intimate conversation in an all-gender bathroom just before she was supposed to perform at a school talent show. I, okay, look, parents, you want this stuff for your kids? I really don't care. Christopher Rufo tweeted, I have obtained leaked video from Disney's upcoming show Baymax, which promotes the transgender flag and the idea that men can have periods to children as young as two years old. It's all part of Disney's plan to re-engineer the discourse around kids and sexuality. Well, I, I do believe Disney's outright creepy. I don't believe they ever actually say that person is trans. And the person doesn't say they're a man. I, I, I don't. Let, let, me, let me play this for you. And then let's talk about this clip in general. Here we go, everybody. Excuse me. Yeah. Which of these products would you recommend? Oh, um, well, these are the tampons I usually use. Thank you. I prefer pads. They're more comfortable for me. Thank you. I always get the ones with wings. Thank you. Get them scented and bleach free if you can. Thank you. Yo, my daughter loves these. Thank you. These might okay, be easier on. if it's her first okay, period. These wait, are really on. environmentally friendly. Okay, wait, wait. Hold on. I have so many questions about this that have nothing to do with the, the, the person presumed to be trans because they're wearing a trans flag shirt. Can I just point out the on the nose of like... They're wearing a trans flag shirt. What are you going to have? Like, like the Mexican lady is going to be wearing a Mexican flag shirt. Yo, trans people don't have to wear trans flags. But I'm sure many of the trans activists will be mad at me for even saying that. But fine. Nowhere in the clip do they say that person is trans. But I get it because the flag is there. That's the implication. So, OK, be mad about it. I just, I just want to. I just want to. I want to. They're wait, more hold comfortable on. Just wait for me. Thank you. I always get the ones with wings. The ones with wings. OK. And then it shows you can see the, the, the person wearing the trans flag shirt. The chest is flat, so I, I, I suppose we're, we're supposed to assume that it's a trans man, I guess. But hold on. Get ready for this. And bleach free if you can. Thank you. Yo, my daughter loves these. Thank you. Yo, my daughter loves these. Now, that's the one that made me say, hey, wait a minute. Okay, first of all, I do think it's kind of weird that they're doing the scene where a bunch of random people are telling the robot, like, ooh, buy these pads, buy these tampons. Hey, look, I'm not a chick. 
I have no idea what goes on in the tampon aisle. Perhaps it is normal that women all cluster together and talk about which tampons they think works best. I would assume it'd be more like toilet paper. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but if maybe it's not a one for one analogy. But if it were me, like I wouldn't go into an aisle and like lean over to someone and be like, which toilet paper do you think works for wiping your butt? And then having people being like, ooh, ooh, you know, get this one, get this one. This one's double quilted. Okay, maybe tampons are different. Maybe women are much more communal than men. And so they do huddle around this market and talk about which menstrual products they want to use. The one thing I noticed, though, is the dad who says, my daughter loves these. And I'm like, what? Wait, wait, hold, what? Like, <laughs> I suppose it's not that bad. Maybe he's a single dad and he knows that, like, his daughter has asked him at some point, like, dad, I need your help. Can you run and grab these? These are the ones I like. So he's like, my daughter loves these. I'm just I just think it's funny, this idea. It's I don't know. It's just weird. I'm imagining the first thing I imagined because because I'm a dick is like this dad going through his daughter's room and finding like a ton of these tampons thinking that it must mean she loves them. But actually, she's just like boofing with her friends, uh, <laughs> not family friendly, by the way. I just think the whole clip is stupid. I don't care. There's a trans person in it. Americans are rejecting this stuff. And that's what Pew Research shows us. So fine. Do a show where everyone crowds around and suggests to a robot which tampons or pads makes the most sense. I wasn't prepared for this, an anxious Sophia tells Baymax. And the dispenser's empty and I don't even have a thing. A tam pad, a pad pond, a maxi pad pond with wings. Eager to help his friend Baymax heads to the supermarket to go shopping for some products. He then asks a woman in the hygiene aisle to recommend a product for her. Okay. And then someone tweeted, I wish Baymax was my father. Look, here's the reality. You know, women have uh, menstrual cycles, and so they need products. And there are young girls who are going through these things and need guidance, I guess. I think it's between the parents and the kid. I don't know if you need Disney to do this kind of thing. Like, uh, imagine it this way. What if Disney came out with like a wet dream uh, episode of Baymax? And it's like a little boy being like, yo, I woke up. Eh, I don't know. You're probably not appropriate. But whatever, man. You know, we often see, I see these art pieces on Instagram where like women will walk, well, like there, there was a woman and she posted a photo of herself like covered in blood. And I'm just like, okay, look, I get that. Like guys don't go through that. Guys have a kind of cycle like, you know, wet dreams or whatever. Here we go. Not for kids, right? But um, I just don't know if you need to put that on Instagram and, and, and well, I'll put it this way. Women do, guys don't. Guys aren't going around talking about their functions. Women do go around talking about their functions. Not every woman. But I just look at this and I'm like, I don't know if that's appropriate in general, regardless of whether a trans person's in it. But either way, I just I was just laughing at the thought of the dad being like, my daughter loves these. And I'm like, hey, far be it for me to know exactly what young daughters do with their dads. OK, and I don't mean that in a dirty way. I mean, like, I just I just didn't assume young women would be like, Dad, these are my favorite. Can you get, grab me some? But I'm sure I'm sure it's it's not completely unreasonable. Probably could happen. Here's what I want to point out, though. Now that you've made it through eight minutes of me talking about this stupid show, a trans man buying periods. I just want to point out I knew this was weird because my understanding is that masculizing hormone therapy, testosterone, inhibits menstrual cycles. And so I just pulled up the Mayo Clinic, which is, of course, I want NewsGuard certified. Okay. And I, I looked up a bunch of other sources, but I sell it on Mayo. They say masculi uh, uh, if masculizing hormone therapy is started before the changes of female puberty, puberty begin, female secondary sex characteristics, such as breasts, can be avoided. 
Masculizing hormone therapy is also known as gender affirming hormone therapy. During masculinizing hormone therapy, you'll be given male hormone testosterone, which suppresses your menstrual cycle and decreases the production of estrogen from your ovaries. Changes caused by these medications can be temporary or permanent. I read on a bunch of different websites. They all say the same thing. So, so maybe it's not everybody, but this is one of the issues I bring up with this stuff. Disney doesn't know what they're talking about. A trans man who has completed transition, this, is, this individual, assuming it's a trans man, flat chested, gone through gender affirmation or, and all that stuff, likely would not be experiencing a menstrual cycle. However, it's possible that's not the insinuation they're trying to make, or this individual isn't completely gone through it, or some people still will have a menstrual cycle. Fine. It could also be this trans man is saying, when I did have a menstrual cycle, this is the one that I preferred. In which case, why are they in the aisle? I think the whole thing's just stupid, irrelevant. And what we're getting from TV shows is ham-fisted, jamming into culture, these things. They're saying, like, watch the movie The Craft, the new one, and you'll be like, what? Watch Miss Marvel. Whole, okay. Miss Marvel, the new Disney show. Let's talk about that for a second. Yo, Miss Marvel is a Muslim superhero. In the comics, she can stretch and grow and embiggen, it's called. I played the Avengers video game, Miss Marvel as a character. It's cool. It's a fun game. I think it's cool that they made a female Muslim superhero. I, I think diversity in these, in these games and stuff, it's cool. Here's what I don't like. First, you don't need to take a character and turn them into a female Muslim, like Iron Man, but now it's a young black woman, Riri, uh, whatever her name is. Okay, make a new character. War Machine's daughter. I mean, War Machine was a black dude and he had an Iron Man suit. How about you make a new character, a young Avenger, and it's not Iron Man. I suppose that's what they did to a certain extent. Fine. So looking at all this, I'll tell you what I don't like. I don't like it when they jam the, the ideology into something that doesn't need it. So Miss Marvel, right? In the show on Disney Plus, they say partition every five minutes. I'm exaggerating, but wow, I get it. Partition happened. Like, show me a show, introduce cultural ideas, show the Pakistani Muslim family, family eating their food and, and, and speaking the way they speak. I'm totally down. I think it's great. And then lay off the ideological whinging about history. We get it. So here's what's happening. In this article from Pew Research, this is where it gets interesting. Americans' complex views on gender identity and transgender issues. Most favor protecting trans people from discrimination, but fewer support policies related to medical care for gender transitions. Many are uneasy with the pace of change on trans issues. This is fascinating. Most favor protecting trans people from discrimination, even as growing share say gender is determined by sex at birth. Neither 25% neither favor nor oppose. 64% uh, percent saying they would blank laws or policies that would protect trans people from discrimination in jobs, housing, and public spaces. Most people agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Blair White agrees with that. I think the issue is, where does that line go? Where is the barrier on what it means to not discriminate? If you're talking about forcing someone to engage in a certain practice they don't want to, we're getting dangerously close to, to the line. If you're talking about saying children should get sex change operations, I don't think you're actually helping those kids. They say percent, whether a person is a man or a woman, can be different from the sex assigned at birth. See how they say that? <coughs> Excuse me. 
In September of 2017, 44% believed it. In May of 2022, only 38. The percentage of people who think it's, de- it's uh, uh, determined by your sex assigned at birth, 60% today. It's gone up 6%. It is going up. Gender ideology is faltering, yet, yet Pew uses the assigned at birth. It's observed at birth, not assigned. Yo, I think it's a fair point. When activists say a doctor makes their best guess, that's true. A baby is born. The doctor looks at the baby and says, it's a boy. It's possible they could be wrong, not because of ideology, but because maybe you've got um, the baby. The, maybe the baby is just developed in a certain way or the doctor made a mistake. It happens. Maybe the doc, maybe the baby could have a certain syndrome or just look wrong or the doctor could be wrong. I think it's less likely the doctor is wrong, but it might happen. Right. In which case, there is a fair point to be to, to be made that the doctor does their best to properly observe. But sex is observed at birth. Observation is not un- infallible, in which case a doctor sees a baby and says, that's a girl. Then later on, they're like, actually, it was a boy, but there was some kind of developmental abnormality, in which case the baby actually turns out to be a boy and requires some kind of treatment to correct or something, if that's what the family deems necessary. Now, that's where things get interesting, because the argument that arises, oh, but you said, let's say there's a boy, he's born, but the doctor thinks it's a girl because something didn't develop properly. So they say, we can do surgery to, you know, help the boy develop properly. They say that's gender affirmation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I would agree with that, but it's in line with the biology of the baby. So there, there, there's no, here's the issue. The left tries using these arguments where they're like, you must adhere one for one with the logic. When in reality, there's a nuance and it's not so simple. There's an argument about cleft palates. Uh, We saw this in the Orville. If a baby is born with a cleft palate, you'll give it surgery to correct, right? Why not just leave it alone? Okay, well, that's not the child making a decision. That's the parent making a decision for the child, in which case it's the inversion of what we actually see with trans kids where the parents say, don't look at me. It's the child's decision. It's not easy. It's not absolute. And this is where you need to understand that morality is in flux. Some people think some things are absolutely right or wrong. But the truth is we just decide where the line is. And for everybody, the line's in a slightly different place. For me personally, I don't think that we should perform sex change operations on, on minors. Uh, I, this is my opinion. I don't think that opinion is going to change. I think minors do not understand and they'll make bad choices. I've heard many stories from women who said they wanted a hysterectomy or some kind of permanent sterilization, only to say later on that they, they're glad they never went through with it. In fact, we've had people on Timcast IRL who said that When they were younger, they wanted to get their tubes tied or get a hysterectomy and their doctor refused to do it. So they eventually didn't get it done. And then they had kids and they're glad they had kids. That's why I'm like, we shouldn't do permanent things to children. Now, therein lies the issue. A cleft palate reconstruction is a permanent thing. A young boy born with a developmental issue and you performing surgery on it, that's the parent's decision, a circumcision. Yeah, there are real challenges here. Maybe... Maybe we should curtail a little bit, like circumcision, for instance. Parents shouldn't just arbitrarily decide they're going to do that. I don't know. It's, it's, it's heated and contentious issues. What I can say right now, regardless of your opinion, some people think children should be getting sex changes or top surgeries. It's waning. The American people are rejecting this ideology. This is why I think Jordan Peterson gets suspended. The story from the Post Millennial, 
Jordan Peterson was suspended after saying that uh, uh, Ellen Page, now going by Elliot Page, was uh, had had her breasts removed by a criminal doctor. I believe calling the doctor criminal is probably what did it. But I believe the reason we see limitations on tweets like this is that those who support this ideology and want to push it, they know they're losing. Now they'll come out and they'll say, oh, it's because people self-harm and things like that. But I think it's because they know they're losing and they're losing because of people like Dr. Jordan Peterson, who was one of the most prominent figures challenging much of this. And he's really pulled out all the stops. He doesn't seem to be holding back anymore. He said he will not take the tweet down because that would be a tantamount to an apology. And so he's just going to leave it up. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I think he should take it down. I think Jordan Peterson should take the tweet down, get his account back, and then post, find me over at Truth Social and take all of his, his two million or whatever followers to a new platform to show Twitter we don't tolerate this. However, fair point. If Jordan Peterson holds out and Elon Musk secures the platform in but four months, that's what they're saying, maybe in four months, could be sooner, could be a month. If Elon Musk comes back on the platform, he might just reinstate Jordan Peterson. And if he does, Jordan Peterson will have won on that hill, not died on that hill. So, okay. All right. You do what you want to do, I suppose. As for the common, uh, as for the mainstream media and all that, I don't care about Disney. I think it's fine to call it out and tell people you think it's wrong that they're showing a person with a trans flag if you don't like it. Fine. The Daily Wire is launching their own new shows. I think it's called Chip Chilla. Kids show with like uh, chinchillas, I guess. Looks cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It looks really, really well done. They're putting a lot of money into this stuff. Very, very nice. If you have an issue with what, the Dis- with, with, with what Disney is doing, here's what you do. Voice your concerns. Express your opinions. Well respected. Stop spending money on Disney+. Plus. Give your money to The Daily Wire or TimCast.com. Now, to be fair, The Daily Wire doesn't have the Ch- kids program up just yet, nor do we. We do have Chicken City over at ChickenCityLive.com. Chicken City, I think, is important for kids because you want to understand a bit of nature and seeing chickens do chicken stuff is important. And I mean all their chicken stuff. You can hear them yelling. You can hear them laying eggs. You can see them making more chickens, all of that stuff. And we also have the Chicken City cartoons, which are mostly for kids. The, one, the reason I say mostly is because the one we just released about the Federal Reserve kind of would go over a kid's head. But they might still find it funny anyway. And you can watch it with your kids. It is totally family friendly. We're just ragging on the Federal Reserve. I'm not sure the children would understand that. But we're making cartoons for Chicken City that you can share with your kids. We're hearing from a lot of families. They love Chicken City. And we ultimately want to expand it to be an educational family experience. And it's a live stream of chickens. We're working on it. We're expanding it. It actually does make good money. Here's what you do. You take a look at Disney. You say, okay, stop giving them money. Start giving your money to TimCast.com and The Daily Wire and anyone else you think is doing a good job and expanding on these fronts. Now, The Daily Wire has announced they're going to do like $100 million in kids programming. We haven't done anything like that. 
I can announce we're going to spend $100,000 in kids programming, substantially less money than the Daily Wire is committing to theirs. But, you know, for the time being, I mean, I could honestly say we're going to put a million bucks into it or something like that. But all that really means is like over a long period of time as we make money, we're going to fund this stuff. We have a, a, a kids show that we're working on right now. It's very preliminary. And, and my, my goal with the kids show is not making like Blue's Clues where it's like A, B, C, but more like fairly odd parents. Uh, just funny cartoons that are meant for kids that can have jokes in it that adults will laugh at. But we want to incorporate positive lessons. So I want to create stories. Uh, the, the, one, the one thing that we're working on in preliminary stages, it's going to have a merch line and everything. The idea is like, five to nine-year-olds probably would get a kick out of it, and the adults would probably find it fun as well. And then we want to do like a nine to 13-year-old kind of thing where it's like superheroes and positive lessons about um, standing up for what you believe in, staying true to yourself, not telling lies, all of that, all of that good stuff. You know, I grew up and I watched um, Static Shock when I was younger. Static Shock was very preachy, but it was done well. Showing life lessons like Static's friend turns out to be gay and his dad is kind of uh, racist and things like that. And I'm like, those are those are great. I thought they were well done, you know, and that is a kid's show that is very preachy. I am not opposed to preachy kids shows. Not at all. So uh, when I look at Baymax, I just look at it like there's no real message there. And if you don't like it, find the show that has the message you do like. Kids shows, in my opinion, should be preachy. Hands down. You know why? Matt Walsh, Johnny the Walrus, it is preachy. It's telling the kid that you can't be something you're not. That is ideological. So find the ones you like. We're going to make more like centrist, moderate, libertarian uh, content. The goal is to inspire young people to be stronger, better versions of themselves, to be leaders who care for others and, br- and want to bring about fairness and responsibility and freedom and all that good stuff. So that's the plan, man. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.